And so my World Cup dream is over. The Oranje Levinen are out of the World Cup. Let's talk about that and much, much more. This is a very special Dutch national team that Arsenal Women podcast. You want an Arsenal Women podcast? Well, guess what? You got an Arsenal Women podcast. Dutch edition. Let's go. Welcome, 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 my friends, to yet another episode of That Arsenal Women Podcast with me, your host, Demian. And if this is your first time listening, I need to tell you a disclaimer. I am not a football expert. I am not a pundit. I am not a journalist, even though I do have a blog called That Arsenal Women Blog, in which I write every single day about Arsenal. I am a professional musician. I am a subjective very feelings-based person, very passionate about all things Arsenal and, of course, all things Dutch in the Netherlands regarding football and many other things culturally. However, please know that this is very much, like I said, a feelings-based thing. I don't talk a lot about tactics. I don't talk a lot about, you know, match analysis per se. But today is going to be filled with a lot of things that... You know, normally I would have, you know, like a list of things that I would go or a little script to follow, but I'm going to basically just wing it. And it might be 10 minutes, it might be 20 minutes. I don't know. I'm drinking a nice Pellegrino Arancia. What is it? Aranciata Rosa. I don't even know what that means. Maybe blood orange or something like that. Anyway, this is going to be a very open, vulnerable, uh, feelings-based situations. So sit back, relax, or stop this podcast if you do not like this direction that I'm going to go. You know, funny thing, this title, this episode is titled Baina, which means almost in Dutch. And in Venezuelan Spanish, we say de vaina, when something is just almost there. De vaina, de vainita. Baina in Dutch means almost. So anyway, I figured that would be a very appropriate name for this episode. And if I were to talk before I go deep into a lot of things, let's just focus on the match itself. But before I do that, I am overwhelmed with pride, with happiness. I am so very um, moved by the effort that every single one of these women put out by Yonkers and and, and his, his coaching and all the staff. I mean, it was Amazing to see and to witness and the the overall emotion that I feel, the o- overall feeling that, that it sort of is encompass, encompassed within me is pride and, and, and happiness. The match itself was interesting for me, like I said on my blog earlier today, because I had a gig. I was performing here in L.A. and... My my show was at 6 p.m. It was supposed to... Uh, sorry, the game was at 6 p.m. It was supposed to end right before 8. If it didn't go to extra time, which obviously we all know that that happened. And, you know, my set was at 8 o'clock. So, unfortunately, I was not able to see the match, the, the, the extra time. But I saw everything leading up to that, and it was absolutely bananas. Um you know, I think the, the the main thing that everybody just keeps saying is how Spain deserve this and Spain deserve that and Spain deserve and deserve and deserve. Obviously, I will not come here and discredit Spain. They're amazing. I mean, for my money, 
Jenny Hermoso and Aitana Bonmati are two of the smartest players to ever play in the women's game, uh, certainly since I've been following in the research that I've done and the videos that I've seen of former players. These players are next-level stuff, and I am not surprised that they, they won. At the same time, I am not surprised that uh, they only beat us by one goal, and they only beat us by one goal in extra time. So it wasn't like they, for me, the idea of playing much better and utterly dominating is very subjective and very biased, right? And, and I'm selective with it because, for me, the display against the U.S., the Dutch against the U.S. in the first half was unbelievable, and I've never seen the U.S. be outplayed so much in my life. And I wave that flag of we outplay them, we outplay them so much better, we deserve to win. But when it comes to losing a match and Spain definitely dominating and, and deserving, quote-unquote, of the game, to me it's like, well, no, you don't deserve. You, 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 you know, it, 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 it wasn't a deserved thing. The result was what it was, but it could have gone either way. So it was a tough match to watch for me, literally, in the sense that I was performing. I was playing drums, and I, could, I couldn't be that unprofessional and just stare at my phone, even though I wanted to, but I didn't. Um, And it was hard to watch because of, of what I kind of felt uh, was going to happen. And it sadly, it happened. And the, the, the one thing that I will say is how difficult this match was always going to be without Daniela van der Donk. And I'll speak about her at length in a little bit. But... Up until that point, for me, the player of the tournament for the Dutch, if not for the entire tournament, and like I said, I'm very biased, but that's what I think is an objective opinion, believe it or not. And to play without her, regardless if she should have gotten booked, it doesn't matter. She wasn't booked. It could have been that she was injured or fell ill or whatever. She just wasn't available. And people stepped in her role, and it wasn't. She's a player that you can't replace. So it doesn't matter if Damaris comes in or Spitza goes to a different position or whatever. It Nobody can replace what she does. So for me, as somebody who sees her as my favorite player, to not have her it was always going to be like, yeah, of course, it's going to be a battle when you don't have my favorite player on the planet. Um, so from the get-go, I thought that was a... Um, Something that wasn't sort of in our favor, to say the very least, you know what I mean? It was a thing where where no matter, in a way, who stepped in, I just felt that it was going to be a, a bridge too far. And, you know, it is what it is. We got beat. And, you know, I, I just kept thinking of, of a few things all at once. And like I said, this is just kind of, a lot of things, verbal diarrhea to a degree. Um, so I'll, I'll continue talking about Dan for a second. It is my belief that her, her being in any team elevates the team. It doesn't matter where she plays in, in, on the pitch, right? Any position at any given point, that's neither here nor there in the sense that she's so good She's so committed. She's a little pit bull, and there's nobody like her. So you always want her in your team. 
I particularly like her in the number 10 role, perhaps because I was so used to her partnership with Viv and Lika and even even Lineth uh, from from a from a slightly deeper position, but up top um, or far, farther up the pitch uh, uh, as a midfielder. And she wasn't used in that position. Right. And that sort of brings me to the formation um, that was chosen by the coach, the three, five, two, one, two situation was not Dutch in, in the purest of senses, right? It's always 4-3-3. When Louis van Gaal implemented that, when we got to the World Cup final and we lost to Spain, ironically, um, they played a 3-5-2, but they had the players to do so with Gio van Bronckhorst and other players that played on the wings that were uh, very efficient. And I felt that that formation with the players that we had wasn't the best. And of course, I'm thinking it's the best when we're playing against the U.S. and we're winning or we're beating them. And I'm going to think it's the worst when we lose. I'm completely okay with that hypocrisy. I want you to all know that I'm completely okay. But I never, it's a very sort of, it, it, it creates like cognitive dissonance and noise in my head when I see a Dutch squad set up in anything else that's not a 4-3-3, right? Especially when you're going to have two forwards being Lineth and Lika or whomever, that third forward player to me is a no-brainer, should have been done as a number 10 uh, because we're missing uh, Viv. So, and again, I'm not a coach. I'm a musician. I literally hit stuff for a living. I, I have no clue what I'm talking about. But that's what I would have liked to see. And th this idea of Spitza on on the on the right of, of, of the back three, it just wasn't working with Victoria Pelova, who I didn't think had a good tournament at all. Um, Esmi Brucht had one good game. Um, and, you know, it just that right side just wasn't working properly. Um, and it's it was hard to watch because it was just kind of frustrating to me, um, even though they tried the, the best. And, and, and to me, there's there is um, sort of the, the next sort of issue that I had was the lack of substitutions or the sub, or the, form, the the players themselves. Right. To not give uh, Kasparai more of a shot um, and, and leave Palova for as long as he did in every match, um, you know, only bringing Vandonga for like five minutes or something like that. And I believe it was the first match, um, maybe the third match actually against Vietnam. It, it, it just, nothing really made sense to me. And that means that he's doing a good job, right? Because I'm not a football expert, like I've said many times. So this is just an opinion, right? I would have liked to see different players. Um, and it wasn't to be, but that is the way the cookie crumbles. That is sort of the, um, what it was, what he had at his disposal or, or what he thought was the way to go. To me, there were glaring things that were very, very obvious that um, you just didn't, you shouldn't have done, right? And one of them was an, an Ignauen, uh Pelova, 
Spitza, that was always going to be an issue. And, you know, I don't mean to attack, and I don't, I'm not trying to attack uh, any other players, neither Nowen uh, or Pelova or Spitza, anybody. I'm not trying to attack. That's not my intention. My problem isn't with the players. My problem is that the coach didn't sub them out or put them in uh, or put other players in. That's sort of my main sort of criticism. And it's not like I have a problem with it. It's not like I have any sort of ill feelings towards the coach. Not at all. Uh, He's amazing. The way he speaks about these women, the way he supports them, everything he does, he's outstanding. If you told me he was going to be a coach for the next, you know, four years or so, I would, I bite your hand off. Like, I think, I think he's a stellar, stellar coach. I just would have liked other players to have had more of an important role. And I would have liked other players having less important roles, to be completely honest with you. And, you know, it's tricky because it just so happens to be one of them, an Arsenal player. And I know I've gotten heat for it before. And I honestly don't have an agenda against her. And I don't want to ever be seen as somebody that has it out against any player. So this is what I I want to make very clear that my beef is with not even the coach himself is with when he made the substitutions or when he didn't make them basically. So that's just basically what I had to say in terms of of that. And I, I, I do have to say that any sort of looking back, we clearly haven't made progress in terms of where in, in the tournament we, we bow out. Right. Uh, the previous World Cup, we got to the final. I believe the Euro Cup, we lost to France in the quarterfinals as well. Um, now against the Spanish. And, you know, it, obviously we lost on the, the, the Olympics on penalty kicks against the U.S. And it just, it, it seems a little, it's a little frustrating that it doesn't seem like there's a lot of progress yet. But I do believe that Viv's absence is cosmic, and it's so it it hurt us so 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 much. Like I I try to be as you know optimistic and you know focus on the players that are there and and like uh, you know Spain without Putellas or you know, England without Beth Mead and Leah Williamson and look how well they're playing. And, you know, every player is missing huge, huge people. This, this might've been, you know, maybe with DVD on the pitch, but without DVD and without Viv, man, I, I just don't, and a different formation. Like, I don't know. I just, I didn't love it. And, and, um, you know, it's obviously hindsight. It's always 2020, right? It's easy for me to criticize now. Um, because I was confident that we would go farther. I was actually confident that we could beat Spain. But um, it's not that I was wrong. We just didn't do it, you know. And there could have been another day where we, uh, you know, Lineth scored a couple of goals or, you know, other people scored or or Steph doesn't make that silly handball per se. Like, so there, it's a lot of things. I also think that that, you know, the period with Mark Parsons, was a really, really poor period that he shouldn't ever been there, basically. We should have gone straight from Sarina Wigman to 
Yonkers and, and it, it, it didn't happen. And, you know, I think maybe, and again, this is just kind of in the heat of the moment. I have no way to back this up. I, I need to see stats and I need to see data. But I just don't think that that um, he was the right guy for the the process, you know, like Arteta is at Arsenal for many people. You know, we got to trust this, the process. And with Mark Parsons, it didn't seem like there was. And yeah, he gave a couple of players there some a spotlight per se and got them started in in in, in the first team. But, you know, the lack of playing Merel van Dong, and, they, and as a matter of fact, there were times where he wasn't playing van der Graak with, with Dom. Uh, he was playing Nauen, and it just didn't seem like the right person for that. Um, not because he wasn't Dutch, but it just, it, it was feeling, it, it exposed a lot the, the downgrade from Sarina Wigman, whereas I think with with the current coach, it, it would have, that gap would have been a little bit uh, smaller, so to speak, or I think people would have welcomed him more since he was a Dutchman and, you know, with, with having worked with so many Dutch legends and so many amazing teams, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, and so on and so forth. And, you know, I am willing to bet that this is the honor of, of his lifetime. You know, I'm willing to bet that this is the job that he loves the most that he cherishes the most, that he values the most. And I have no problem with him, like I said. I have been proven to be an absolute idiot in the past by coaches. You don't have to go too, too far. You can go at Arsenal uh, men, how I didn't think that Arteta was the right guy. I didn't think that Shaka would be any good and he wasn't fit to wear our colors and many other things, and here we are. We we lost the title to Man City, one of the greatest teams ever assembled, by five points. So it shows what I know, right? I know nothing. All I know is that it's a feeling-based thing that, that comes out of my mouth, right? And those feelings, like I said, are obviously pride and happiness and all this other stuff, but also a little frustration. But I'm going to focus, and I'll finish with this. I'm going to focus on on the positive things uh, because I honestly hand to heart, I think that there are way more positives than negative. And I'm actually extremely excited for the future. And I'll tell you why I'm excited because of the performances, the security, the confidence of Daphne van Domselaar. She did amazing. And if it wasn't for the Swedish goalkeeper with some insane back-to-back -back matches um, in Mary Earps sort of doing what she does, even though I don't think she's the best in the world like everybody else does, Van Domselaar is top three, and, and she, she has to be top five in the world at this point. Outstanding. Dominique Janssen was fantastic so solid in the back. And if we're going to lose van der Gracht and Spitza has to move on sooner rather than later, it's clear that everything needs to be built around Dom Jansen. That is just the clearest thing. If there's one thing that I take away from this entire tournament, 
is that that woman needs to be protected. She needs to be respected. She needs to be put in the forefront of any, you know, starting 11. She needs to be right there. She needs to take way more set pieces, and she needs to be the captain of that team. She has captain material. That is what she does. That's what she's done a lot for Wolfsburg. Uh, and she is the embodiment of coolness, calmness, peace, zen, grit, ability, vision, determination. And she's often put in these situations where she has to kind of babysit and play with, with players that aren't as good as her. And, you know, with Steph stepping up this tournament, again, another bright light for me was Van der Graagd in her last performances for, for the national team. And to get that goal was just beautiful, magical, and she deserves that and more. And she didn't deserve that card but or, or that penalty, but she'll tell you, yeah, I, I, I handled that ball. Uh, so those are three standout performances for me. Uh, I mean, what can I say about Daniela van der Donk? She is, for me, the smartest player I have ever seen. I love her. She's the best. Uh, and I am really sad that she didn't got, get to play on this match. And I hope that she plays the next Euros and the next World Cup because she's an asset to any team at any stage, whether she's on the bench, whether she's playing, whatever. Uh, she is outstanding. I thought Jill Roard was really good. I thought that she had um, a poor game against the Spanish, but overall it was um, a good tournament for her. I believe she has scored four goals. And, you know, that's kind of what I expected. I would have liked her to play farther up the pitch if they were to have done a 4-3-3 a in, in Dan dropping back. So if they would have played a back four uh, and they would have had, or my back four, since I'm talking about this, my back four would have been, Obviously, Daphne on goal, right? So I would have, I would have had Esme on the left for um, left back, like I said, sorry, with Van der Graagd and Dom Jansen. I would have had Kasparai on the right. Uh, and then would have had uh, Shaki Hruna in the, on the middle of that pitch um, with uh, Damaris. And I would have had um, Dan right there roaming either on the right or on the left, wherever she kind of wanted to go. And up top, I would have had the three Lika, Jill Roard as a number nine, and Lineth on the right. Um, but that's what happens, my friends. It's uh, it's heartbreaking. I feel really, really sad for them. I think they deserved much, much more. But this is what happens. You lose some matches and you learn and you have to adapt and adjust and go from there. But one thing I can say is that that match against the U.S. for personal reasons was so beautiful to watch. And, you know, it, it's a match that I'll never forget and a feeling uh, of accomplishment that I'll never forget. And I'm overall just thankful to every single one of those players, coaching staff, the coach, um, the media team, everybody for, for this lovely run that unfortunately is a little too short, but I'm so excited about the future. So we have to build around Dom Johnson. We have to build around Daphne uh, van Domseler. We have to build a, a, around the, the few years that we got left of Daniela van der Donk and, of course, Viviana Miedema. We have a stellar spine right down the middle, duh, with Damaris and also with Shaki. We, it's good, my friends. It is good. Stay positive. Stay optimistic. Thank you again. 
And as a quick reminder, please watch, uh, sorry, please read that arsenalwomenblog.com in which I write every single day. So thank you to all the new readers that I've been getting lately. Thank you all so much, and we'll speak again soon. Peace out.